Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. I just, I believe God's got something so powerful for us today because, you know, um, we, we learn the word of God, but we also want to understand what God's doing right now. So for the Christian, everybody who's a believer, you've got this little sense of, of, of prophetic insight, right? There's like a sensing of something uh, as you're moving along in life. And that comes by the Lord. In fact, the Bible says that when we pray, we should be watchful in prayer. And I believe what that's saying is we should be alert in prayer. The antenna should be up. We should be paying attention. We should listen to things. Now, I have to say, sometimes we can get things in our flesh that are speaking to us too, right? And you can begin to recognize the difference between flesh and spirit as the, as the Bible says, as you grow in your discernment and you're able to discern through experience the difference between what's God and not God. The Bible says that. Through experience, you begin to learn to discern. And as you grow in the Lord, you begin to learn more and more about how to hear God, how to understand what God's saying. He doesn't always show up with an angel to make it so clear. He doesn't always just appear to you. He doesn't always write it on the wall. Those are rare kinds of things that happen. Normally, He guides us. The Bible says the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. So we're having to, to sense it. We're having to pay attention. We're having to learn how to have ears to hear and to grow in that. So anyway, the reason why I'm saying that is I believe that there is something happening today, which is God's bringing His people. He's preparing us. The way I look at it is like this. Um, he's called us to something, and now He's bringing us into a new level. And in that new level, um, He's preparing us to go into a new land. You see, He's bringing us into a new land. And guess what's happening in that new land? There's warfare there. So, so some people have said this before. When they're new levels, they're new devils. And, um, you know, others have said, oh, we shouldn't be saying that. But I do believe there's a truth in that, that when God is bringing you to a new level, um, there are two things that you can expect. There's going to be a new place that new level brings you into. And there's going to be opposition to getting to that place. You see that? Are y'all with me? Guess what happens with Jesus? The Holy Spirit comes upon Jesus in, at the baptism there with, with John. You remember that story? The Holy Spirit comes upon him. What's the next thing we see? He's there and Satan has come in a fresh way to try to derail what God is doing in his life to try to bring him down. Why is Satan doing this? Because Jesus has just gone to a new level in his ministry, in his call. And at that new, new level, Satan is seeing the progression and Satan is recognizing something is getting ready to happen here and I've got to do everything I can do to stop this from happening. So when you go to a new level, that's a sign to the enemy. You're getting ready to do something. You're getting ready to go to a place where you're going to be a threat to him, where you're going to expand, when you're going to see the glory of God come and what's he going to do? He's going to do everything he can to stop it. Do y'all see that? I hope y'all are connecting with what I'm saying because I believe it's for you right now. You see, the devil wants to stop you from becoming what God's called you to be. 
You see, and every time you receive a blessing from God, again, remember this, it's because what? You're going to a new place. You're getting ready to experience things you haven't experienced before. You're getting ready to be used of God for God's glory in a way you've not been before. And again, you're going to be resisted. We saw, like I said with Jesus, right? He gets to a new level. What's he getting ready to do? He's never done miracles before. He's the son of God. He's not done miracles before, but now he's in a new level. What is that new level for Jesus? It was, it was where he was supposed to be all the time. It's just God's timing. God did it, but it, it brought on more attack. But guess what happened? He ended up going into his land, didn't he? He saw miracles. And what did he do? He put a big stomping on the head of the devil, right? What happened in the Old Testament? God brings, God raises up his new people. He's telling Joshua, Joshua, this day, this day I'm with you. And just the way I said with Moses, I am with you and I will give you. He has, he has brought them into that assignment. This, this, they've been in the wilderness 40 years. He brought them into the new level of the assignment. And now they're standing there anointed. God's with them. God's going to be doing miracles. He's brought them to a new level. But, and, and what are they going to do? They're getting ready to go to a new place, right? They're at a new level. They're getting ready to go to a new place. They go into the new place to do what? To displace the devil. You see what I'm saying? And guess what's going to be there? Resistance, the enemy. Things are always trying to keep them back. Now, I believe because God's bringing his church to a new place, it's going to be amazing what we see happen. I believe we're going to see the fear of God return to the church. I believe we're going to see the power of God return to the church. I believe church is going to be what church ought to be. I was reading something a minister from years ago said about how the churches have gotten into this trap where we're trying to build churches according to man's way. And so even though numbers are important because every person represents a soul, that should, we should not build just to have numbers show up in church. That's, that's, those are two different things. And what happened is we've become performance-oriented. And church is a performance rather than an experience with God and with one another. You see the body life. And God is going to get back into His church and get it to be just like He wants it to be. And it's going to be powerful. Amen? We're going to that place and the devil hates it. God has brought us to a new level. I believe the time has already shifted or we're in the shifting of that time. It's harvest season not just of souls, but of presence, of the, the things of God, the blessings of God. The devil knows it. He recognizes that his time is short. He better do something. And so I believe that his wrath is stirred up, his anger, because he hates what's going on. And remember the verse I gave you last week? It's in Psalm, I believe, 138. I love it where he just says, God is going to stir up his right hand. He's going to stretch out his right hand against the wrath of the enemy, which has come against me. Amen? So when the devil comes out against us, it, you, you, he is touching what's precious to God. And God says, I will stretch out my right hand against him. Anytime the devil does something, you ought to just laugh and say, oh God, look at, look at that. It's going to be bad to see what God brings him back for what he just did. Yeah. Amen? So, I believe we're in a time of warfare. That's why I'm bringing this up. I believe we're in a time of warfare. I'm excited about the new level, but I also believe it's a time of 
new devils, if you want to say it that way. That's not something to be afraid about. You know, God brought his people out of Israel. He always intended for them to be those that would destroy their enemies and be willing to go into warfare. He said, at the beginning, I didn't let y'all have warfare because I knew you'd run away from it. You'd look at yourself and go, oh, I can't do this. Oh, I'm afraid. So I taught you trust. I taught you how to believe in me. And then I brought you to the place of warfare, of, of breaking the power of the enemy. I always had this in mind for you. Now, it's interesting. He emphasizes the milk and the honey, the milk and the honey, the blessings. It's going to be like this. But then when they get there, guess what? They begin to see there's an enemy there, right? God's like, I didn't want to tell you all about this because you'd have been afraid. But there's nothing to fear because I'm going to give you your enemies. Amen. We're going to learn a little bit today. David says this. He goes, you teach my hands to war. I forget exactly how it is. My hands to war, my fingers to go to battle, something like that. It's like you teach me. You train me. We need to be trained in war. Don't just think because you're a Christian, you're going to win in battle. You need to be trained. Amen. You need to learn how to pray. You need to learn how to, how to use your faith. You need to learn how to, how to destroy the works of the devil and, and not be ignorant and walking around like you're not supposed to be engaged. God wants a very engaged people in the earth. We are supposed to be his representative. We're supposed to be carrying out what he did, right? And so we should be flowing today in what he, was, he brought into the earth. What he did, we should do likewise. Are you with me? All right. All right, well, I'm going to share some keys to winning in warfare. We'll just get started today. And getting it up here won't do you any good if it doesn't get down here. And when it, get down here, it gets down here, it won't do you any good if you don't act on it. Okay, first of all, to win in spiritual warfare, uh, you've got to know there is spiritual warfare. You've got to be able to recognize that the devil's doing something uh, before you actually win in warfare. What I'm saying is, the, if the enemy is doing something and you don't even realize it's demonic or you don't realize there's a spiritual power behind it, he can take advantage of you. If you don't realize there's, there's not evil in something, um, he can use that to take advantage of you. Paul says effectively in 2 Corinthians 2.11, he says, we are not ignorant of Satan's devices or his schemes, lest we be taken advantage of by him. Think about that. We are not ignorant. That means you just you don't know about you. You're you're uneducated about it. You're not sensitive to it. You don't recognize it. He says we're not that way. Lest what? Lest we be taken advantage of. Who's going to take advantage of you if you don't know how and what Satan does? Satan. Are y'all? Amen. So we're not ignorant of his devices, lest he take advantage of us. In other words, if you're ignorant, if you're ignorant, he is already taking advantage of you right now. Do y'all see that? If you're ignorant of how he works, he's taking advantage of you. He's taking advantage of you in your conversations. He's taking advantage of you in your work. And he's taking advantage of you in every single way where he can find an open door because he realizes he can do it because you're completely ignorant that he's doing what he's doing. Okay, now, um, there are so many different things that the devil does, uh, you know, and how he can do things. Um, I'll just, I want to mention just a few. 
uh, just so that you can get your eyes open a little bit to what kinds of things uh, generally that can possibly happen, right? Uh, where we need to be aware. Um, I believe one interesting place to find this out is in the book of Job. We see the devil there. This is a very unusual book. And in this book, somehow it opens up our eyes to see what the devil is doing. All right. What, what, what kind of activities does he have? In one verse one, uh, excuse me, chapter one, verse 15. And by the way, what's happened here? Um, I'm just making this short. And this, again, it's a very difficult book, but here, the hedge of protection. Remember this. The hedge of protection has been removed somewhat from Job. Okay? And guess what? The enemy is able to do things. Okay? So this is what happens. This is one of the things we see this in verse 15. When the Sabaeans raided them, um, Job's sons and daughters, whatever, um, it says this, anyway, a messenger came to Job in verse 14. The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were feeding beside them. And when the Sabaeans raided them and took them away, indeed, they killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I have escaped to tell you. Now, I just think this is pretty, pretty crazy. Um, they raided the, the, this man's possessions they stole the oxen and the donkeys, and they killed the servants. Now, I want you to think about this just for a minute. When something like that happens, we'll think, that's, oh, look at those men, da, 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 da. Do you realize, think about this story. Satan inspired these men to do what they did. And not only that, they inspired him to target a particular person. It was not random. Now, did these men go, oh, Satan came and appeared to us and told us to go uh, attack Job? And his, they probably don't even know who owned that stuff. They don't know that's Job. They're like, they're from some other place and they see this, this stuff and they say, hey, let's take that for us. One guy says it and another guy goes, yeah. Did it. So it might not look like Satan was involved if you are watching and just thinking, you're going, oh, that man said that. He had this idea. And then this happened. And then this happened. And, and then evil, evil happened against Job particularly. It didn't just happen. It wasn't just an unfortunate series of events. It was a demonic series of events. Amen? You see, did you know that the devil can move on willing vessels? Willing vessels to do what he wants to do, even against you. Are y'all with me? That's really a crazy thought. And you know how, you know how um, when we spend time with the Lord, we're doing what God wants us to do. We may, we may feel a nudge to do something, get an idea, and we'll do it, right? And then, and then later we we'll go, wow, look how God used that. Y'all ever done that? The devil's the same way. When people yield themselves to him, when they're full of hatred and bitterness and evil, it's so easy for him to take that person and plant a thought there 
and and an idea and take what he's developed in that person to do a particular thing. And I would say this, in this nation, there are a lot of people that have become more and more evil. Our culture is becoming more and more evil. And guess what happens? More and more evil happens when there's more and more evil in people because they can so easily be directed by Satan. Amen? I want you to think just about this just for a minute. You ever go to work and you just wonder, why are these people against me? Why does this person keep rising up against me? Why does this person always say something bad about me? And by the way, maybe it's you doing it about somebody else. Why are you always agitated about, you know what I'm saying? Because just because you're a believer doesn't mean that devil has no place in you. You need to be careful. He's got no place in you either. Amen? But you ever wondering, you know, why is that person coming against me? Why is that person talking badly about me behind my back? Well, if they've got wrong attitudes, they're easily used of the devil. Are y'all with me? Now, what are you going to get? What are you going to focus on? That person? Or are you going to focus on the spirit that's working against you and inspiring people against you? Are y'all with me? You see, there are many people that can be inspired against you. But what's the problem? It's the force that motivates them. Yes, they're a problem too because they're open to it. But I'm just saying the motivating factor behind evil is almost always, if not always, demonic. Just think about that. So we need to be aware of the enemy's schemes. The Bible says we don't wrestle with what? We don't wrestle with some, huh? With what? With flesh and blood. I heard one minister say, too many people just stop that verse too quickly and they just go, we don't wrestle and they just stop right there. They don't do anything. They don't fight. They don't fight. No. But the Bible says we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. You see, and if you're just getting angry at people, uh, you're missing the, the big factor. You, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers and forces. He's saying, look, don't just look at the natural things that are going on. There are spiritual reasons why the natural things are taking place and coming against you. This is not the way God made the world. Amen? Okay, so, um, and I would just encourage you, don't ever get in the mud with somebody. When somebody has an attitude, you know what the devil wants to do? The devil will stir somebody up against you. See, he's Again, we're supposed to know his strategies, right? The devil will stir somebody else up against you. Not just to accuse you, but to get you in a wrong spirit. You know, and they'll do something to you. He just wants you to get some uh, wrong attitude toward them. That's all he's got to do to win. And you can justify yourself and go, see, but I've got a right to do it. There's nothing. You, now you've got the wrong spirit in you. Now he's got a way in you. Now he's got a place in your heart, right? Okay, then there's, a, there's another verse in um, one nineteen. You see what, what it says there? And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house. It fell on the young people and they're dead. And I alone have escaped to tell you. They were telling Job this. Man, that's crazy. Uh, the, the wind blew hit the four corners of the house at the same time somehow. must have been a tornado. I don't know what it was. But what's interesting to me is 
This didn't just happen. It wasn't global warming or global cooling. You know, it was spiritual. The weather was affected by Satan, by demonic. Can, can y'all believe that? Are y'all with me? Do y'all think I've gone crazy? The weather was influenced by the devil. Now, in Mark chapter 4, um, there is a story where Jesus is leaving one place and he's going to cross another place. He's going to cross the Sea of Galilee and he's getting ready to get, I believe it's the area of uh, where, um, I believe it's called the Gadarenes or something like that. But anyway, so Jesus gets on the, in the water that, I mean, thing that there's a storm while he's on the water, right? The storm gets so bad. Now he's, he's asleep, I believe. And, and the disciples are, they get afraid. All right. And they wake him up. Jesus, are you not concerned about us? Let me see if I can find this right here. Mark chapter four, at the end of the, at the end of the chapter, um, he goes, let's cross to the other side. And then a great, it says a great windstorm arose and waves beat it against the boat and it was filling up. And uh, <laughs> this is so funny to me. It's a great storm. Jesus must have been extremely tired. Y'all know Jesus got tired too? He was a man. He was in body and flesh, right? He was so tired. That huge storm was going on and it says Jesus was still asleep on a pillow. And so they woke him up and said, teacher, aren't you concerned? We're, we're going to die. We're going to die. And um, Jesus arose and did what? He rebuked the wind. And then they, it says the disciples later goes, who is that? Even the wind obeys him. Now, let me ask you this. If God had made the wind blow, do you think Jesus could have rebuked it? No. Are you all with me? It was a storm trying to take him down and he didn't go, oh, it's an act of God. The wind is an act of God. Wind can be an act of God. But he goes, he rebukes the wind that was trying to sink his ship. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. You see, there's, a, there's such a story in that because the devil wants to send winds into your life to sink your ship. And you need to be able to recognize them and you need to be able to rebuke the winds in your life because they're not from God. Now, I'm not saying God never allows turmoil or tribulation. I'm not saying that at all. I'm hoping you're getting the other side today and that you're expanding your mind to recognize that a whole lot that goes on in life is spiritual. A whole lot of our opposition in life is spiritual and we should not be ignorant about it. We should be aware that these kinds of things are going on. That story reminded me of Charles Finney and a story that he was, that I read once that he shared where he said he began to notice a pattern. Charles Finney, by the way, was, he was like this head, the, the main figure in the second great awakening in America. It was a, a, a huge, amazing revival. It, it turned around uh, this nation pretty much. Uh, so he was, he was like the, the person that was like the spearhead of that that God used. And he said, 
Um, anytime when all hell breaks loose against me, like if I'm on, if I'm on the journey to a city to, to go preach and all hell breaks loose, the horse acts crazy and goes wild. This and that happens. He says, I begin to recognize every time that happens, I'm getting ready to have one of the greatest meetings. He began to realize this is actually demonic somehow in nature. This is opposition. And every time things get stirred up, it's because I'm getting ready to see something go to the next level. Every time. So I, I thought that was interesting that he was able to see that. Um, so, uh, I want to ask you this too. Um, what should we do to the storms, you know, to the obstacles? Because I believe that Satan, just like he was preventing Jesus, by the way, let me back up to this story with Jesus. Jesus is, you know, he's going across the water. You know what I believe is happening there? You know, where he went to the other side, he met a man there full of demons uh, that had a legion of demons, right? And he casts the devil out. I believe that that demonic thing in that person represented a stronghold in the whole area. Um, there, were, there were thousands of demons in that man. I believe somehow, even though he's in the man, that thing was affecting the whole area. They even pleaded, don't let us, don't, don't make us leave this area. We won't, we, we're asking to be in this area, Right. Um, so I believe that was a stronghold. And look, Jesus is coming across the water. And what's happening? The devil is trying to keep Jesus from having an encounter with that guy, Dick Friend, to get set free. Isn't that crazy? Do you see what I'm saying? Look at the miracle that happened. See, the devil always comes between you and a great breakthrough. You and God using you. You and you seeing the glory of God show up in your life. God loves to see it. The devil does everything he can to stop it. Do y'all see that? See, when, when, when things begin to kick up, don't back up. Just, just if you're, well, you need to make sure you're in God's will. But if you're in God's will, rejoice, praise God, and begin to, I would say, rebuke the devil. Jesus did it. If he did it, then why shouldn't we do it? Are y'all with me? Why shouldn't we do it if Jesus did it? In fact, I, he told us to do it. What does he say to these guys in the boat with him? But if, uh, maybe I didn't read this. But after he rebuked the wind, he looks at his, at his uh, disciples and he goes, how is it you guys didn't have any faith? They're probably going, Jesus is going, why didn't you rebuke it? I mean, you woke me up. I was sleeping. I mean, you, you see what I'm saying? Where's your faith? Why have I got to do all this? I've been teaching you guys how to use faith. Remember, do you remember the time that it says he gave them the bread and or whatever he was saying, actually, he said, what do they have here to feed these 5,000 people? And they go, oh, just this little bread and little fish. And he, he told them, said, you feed them. You feed them. And they're going, he says he did, that, he did that to test them. They weren't ready. And here he is, here is the storm coming. They wake him up and he goes, where's your faith? You, you see, I believe Jesus does want us to speak to things, demonic things, obstacles. Do you remember what it says in Mark 11? Now, these are scriptures that are so out there, we act like they're not even in there. Are y'all with me? We read these scriptures and we just read right over them and won't even do what it says to do because, oh, that's just too crazy right there. Now, that, that's a crazy verse. Let me mark that out, crazy verse. 
We just read that one, but we don't do it. Don't do this one. Okay, so look at this in Mark eleven twenty two. 22. It says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Because surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done, he'll have whatever he says. Whatever he says. Whoever says to the mountain. Is that not amazing? How many of you have obstacles or mountains in your life? How many of you have spoken to those things last week? Are y'all with me? Are you just looking at it? What does he say to do right here? Say to the mountain. First of all, he connects with what he said to these people. Where is your faith? He told his disciples. Now he's telling them, have faith. If you just say to that mountain, to that issue, to that demon, to that problem, to the obstacle, if you will say to that thing and do not doubt, sometimes I'll just tell you when you start saying, you feel doubt. That doesn't work. You've got to keep pressing past your doubts into a place of fervency. Anyway, and then he says, Therefore I said to you, what things when you ask, believe you receive them and you have them. And so he applies that to prayer. He had just spoken to a fig tree and cursed it and it dried up. And then he's going, look guys, that's nothing. Don't y'all not understand this? Let me explain this to you. If you speak out of the words of your mouth, you see the words of your mouth. You know Jesus rebuked the wind. He didn't just, he didn't actually even go pray about it, did he? Now at that time, he went and he rebuked it. He was in relationship, but he rebukes it, right? So what's he doing? He's releasing power through the words of his mouth. That's how it happens so often. Now what if we were just to sit here and I were just to say, God, save these people today and just wait and just look around for it to happen. <laughs> something happens through saying something, doesn't it? It's the same way with speaking words of authority into the atmosphere. They'll obey you. Things will happen. Okay, let me go to the next one. Um, then when we get to chapter 2 of Job, we see Satan does something else. He puts sickness on Job's body. God didn't do that. Satan put sickness on Job's body. And guess what? Job's friends are all going, God must have done this to you. God did this because he's upset at you. Well, that wasn't true. As a matter of fact, God's been bragging on Job. And because God's been bragging on Job, it actually, anyway, I won't go to get into that. So God's been bragging on Job. He's proud of Job. Job's a great man. He loves the Lord. And, um, but, but Job's friends are going, oh, God must have done this to you. Now, in the New Testament, there's a story with a woman who had a back issue. She'd been bent over in her back 18 years. 18 years. And it says she could in no way get up. So I'm guessing she was like this, you know, you know, walking around like this all the time. I mean, it must be a sight. And I bet a lot of people go, you know, that's just the culture right then when, when, that Jesus was in would think like this. I wonder what she did to make herself like that. 
I wonder what, what she did to deserve that happening to her. Must have been something really bad. But anyway, it says this about the story in Luke 13, verse 11. It says, behold, there was a woman with a spirit of infirmity. What does that say? A what? Is that an entity? Do you, all, do you see what I mean? It's an entity. It's, an, it's a thing. It's a being. This woman had a spirit of infirmity. Well, it doesn't look like it looks like she's got a back problem. Jesus goes, that's a spirit. How is it a spirit? She's like this. What do you mean that's a spirit? She's got a crick in her back or something. I don't know. You, you see what I mean? Anyway, he says there's a woman with a spirit of infirmity, 18 years, and she was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. Guess what Jesus does? He heals her. Jesus heals her. And guess what happened to the people? They got upset at Jesus for healing her because he didn't do it on the right day. I can't believe And that's the craziest thing to me. Again, I won't get into that. But when they get upset, he responds back to them and says this, shouldn't this woman being a daughter of Abraham who Satan has bound, he clearly tells these people, Satan did this. This is the work of Satan. God did not do this. This was not the work of God. This is the work of Satan. Y'all see that? Shouldn't this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond? Let me just say, when you see somebody tormented in sickness, don't think God has done that to them. Now, I know people open up themselves, and you read in Revelation where God did allow sickness to come on people who not only rebelled, but weren't willing to repent. You see that also in other places. They gave themselves over to the devil almost. You know what I'm saying? But I'm telling you, for people who are wanting to serve the Lord, trying to do their best, and have a heart before the Lord, you think God wants them to be sick? They're His children. You think He wants them to suffer? Look the way He says this. This woman is a daughter of Abraham. She's a child of God. Do you think God wants her going through this? That's what He's saying. The devil did this to her. There it is in the New Testament. Now, Jesus was reasoning with them. And uh, of course, he, he cast this sickness out. Now, how many times do we associate sickness with God or we think it's God's will? And let me ask you this. How many times do you associate sickness with some, a sp spiritual thing? It often is, if not, it meant, how might even say predominantly it is. I was at a friend of mine's house once. His, his name's Fred. We grew up together. And then I was in church uh, in Durham, North Carolina. And lo and behold, Fred's in church one day. Like, Fred, how'd you get here? You know, it's like he just, he just showed up. And I uh, hadn't seen him in so many years. And he, anyway, make a long story short, he, invite, he and his wife invited Olivia and I to go somewhere. And I remember we were in bed that night and I started getting sick. I was sick in, in bed. And I'm going, I, I, I had something on the inside of me. And I just said, I am not going to get sick because I, I, here I was on this trip. And from deep within, I just said, go for me. And this is one of those times I literally felt something just pull out of my body. I don't understand that. 
But I'm telling you, the sickness was gone right then. And I knew God did it. And I knew it had something to do with the level of resolve that I had. And I'll share this secret here right now. Um, If you're going to um, get the devil out of your life, you can't pray. um, Oh, Lord, did it. Or you can't you can't tell him this way. Devil, now leave. He's just going to look at you and laugh. You have it has to be from all of who you are, just the core of your being. No, I remembered the story. Melody, my daughter, told me years ago. I was so excited that this had happened with her. She got sick, and she was on the way to take an exam, and uh, she was starting to really get sick, and thought, "Oh, I'm not going to be able to make it." But but I've got to take this exam, and she got so upset at being sick. She says, I am not and the gonna I'm not gonna let myself get sick. And out of resolve from deep within, she commanded that thing to leave her. And she she said, Dad, right then, right then, the thing left. The sickness left right then in the car. It was amazing. And I'm like, I was excited that she got healed, but I was excited that she'd had the experience where she learned that out of the necessity. Now, if she'd been at home, guess what would have happened? If she didn't have an exam that day and she was in bed and felt that way, guess what? Sick all day, right? But because she's in that situation, she's she has to do it that day. She got to take the exam that day. The resolve of no devil, no, you can't, you cannot make me. That resolve put something in her to make her speak in a certain way to break the thing's power. I'm telling you, it makes a huge difference when you have resolve. I can remember this story. I've shared this many times before, but it's so illustrative, I'll share it again. Um, where Smith Wigglesworth was at the bus stop one day, and a lady it starts to get on the bus, and her dog ha- has followed her up to the bus stop. And so the lady looks at the dog, and she goes, Go home. Go home. Go home. And the dog doesn't go go home. And then, and then Smith is explaining how the woman changed and it came out of her differently. And she goes, go home. Yeah. And she said, the dog goes, boom, just ran straight home. And when she did that, Smith said he wasn't thinking. He just jumped up and he goes, that's the way you got to talk to the devil. <laughs> you see, and it's true. It's got to be with resolve. It's, you got to mean it or he won't pay any attention to you. Well, I guess I think I'll just stop right there. But um, I wanted to just mention this, though, before I stop. I got to say something about this Job situation because I don't want your mind messed up with that. Job's situation was very unusual. And now, um, you know, I would just want you to understand and see everything through what Jesus has done, right? What did Jesus do? He came to destroy the works of the devil, Right. He didn't come to open up the works of the devil. He was always casting out the devil. He never prayed for anybody to get the devil, did he? Uh, He was always casting out the devil. He never turned away anybody who wanted to get set free. Ultimately, everybody who came to him got set free, right? Doesn't that show us the will of God? And not only that, but the Bible says he's given us authority over the works of the devil through him. And we've been seated with him in heavenly places, far above all ruler, power, rule, power, and authority, spiritually speaking. Are you all with me? And what happened with 
with also him. The hedge was removed. Does that tell you something about how you should be praying every day? The hedge was removed from Job, right? What does that tell you? You need a hedge put around you. And what did Jesus say when he taught us to pray? In the few little things that he taught us to pray every day, deliver us from evil. Did he not say deliver us from evil? Satan is out to attack you. And I would just encourage you, we'll get into more of this later, set a hedge of protection around you every single day. Amen? Well, let's just pray. I want to commit this to the Lord. I want to commit your life to the Lord. And I'm hoping God stirred. And I, I know God spoke today because it's just the Word of God. And um, amen. If you're at home, I want to encourage you also uh, just bring before the Lord right now um, issues, maybe some things that you realize you're beginning to think today. Oh, maybe that's spiritual. Oh, maybe that's spiritual. Oh, maybe that's spiritual. And begin to ask God how to war. He taught David how to war spiritually in battle, and he'll teach you to. And he teaches you to win. He's not put you in a situation where you cannot win and overcome. Lord, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you for the new levels that you're bringing us into in the spirit world. We thank you, God. There's great victories in front of us. There's great, great fruitfulness in front of us. And the devil hates it. He hates it. He hates what you've done in the body of Christ in this hour. He hates what you're raising up in this hour. And he's going to do all he can to oppose it. And God, today we just declare we are not afraid of what the enemy might bring. Lord, we thank you. God, we are going to be like Joshua. We are going to fear not. We're going to be very courageous because God is with us wherever we go. We thank you. You're looking after us. You're taking care of us. And you shall give us great success and whatever we put our hands to. Lord, we thank you. You're, you're raising up a mighty army. We're not just an ignorant group of believers walking around being taken advantage of. No, Lord, you're training us in war. You're training us in battle. And we're going to do great damage to the enemy. And we're going to expand the kingdom of God. We're going to expand the influence of the kingdom. And we're going to remove the demonic influence and destroy it everywhere you send us. Everywhere we go in our lives in our homes, in our marriages, in our families, God, in our businesses. Lord, wherever he comes in, that's not his territory. That's our territory. We're going to recognize where he is, and we're going to drive him out in the name of Jesus, in the authority that God has given us. Lord, so we rejoice today in the victory. We rejoice today in what you're bringing us into. It's like a new promised land we're getting ready to go into. And God, we just say we're looking forward to this. God, we thank you, God for preparing us and making us ready. In Jesus' name, amen.